Welcome back to the AWB COVID-19 Employer Resources Webinar Series, presented by Primera Blue Cross. Today, AWB President Chris Johnson is talking about financial assistance programs that are currently available and what is to come with Christopher Gray, Deputy Chief of Staff with the U.S. Small Business Administration, Neil Bradley, Executive Vice President and Chief Policy Officer with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Diana Dukas, Manager for Economic Impact with Facebook, and Nicholas Matthews, CEO with the Main Street Initiative by Mainvest. The webinar will begin after this word from our sponsor. What we do now will forever change our tomorrow. So let's do the right thing today. Let's stay at home. Let's wash up. Let's always keep our distance. Please, six feet apart at least. Let's look after ourselves as well as others. It will all be worth it. We can all do our part, so those on the front line can do their part. And when this is over, we will all continue to thrive. Good morning and welcome back for hour two of our Monday webinar. We're gonna transition from talking about insurance information to talking about financial assistance programs. And our team, and our team deserves a lot of credit for putting together exceptional content for you every week, has done it again with four outstanding speakers here for hour two. Uh, we have the Honorable Christopher Gray, who's the Deputy Chief of Staff for the U.S. Small Business Administration. He'll be joined by Neil Bradley, who's the Executive Vice President and Chief Policy Officer at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Diana Dukas, the Manager for Economic Impact at Facebook and Nicholas Matthews, CEO of the Main Street Initiative by Mainvest. Uh, as a reminder, you'll have a great opportunity to ask these leaders questions that are really on the foremost mind that you have. Go to the right-hand corner of the GoToMeeting box and insert your question here. Uh, with that, we're gonna go to the Honorable Christopher Gray, who's the Deputy Chief of Staff for the U.S. Small Business Administration. Uh, Christopher, please take it away. Great, thank you. Good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you, Chris, and the AWB team for inviting me to join the today's call. I caught a little bit of actually the first conference call uh, this morning, and it sounded like you had a great discussion. So uh, I just want to say that, you know, the SBA has been working around the clock seven days a week, and our dedicated staff recognizes the incredible responsibility um, that we have to support, support small business owners and workers and their families across the country. You know, these loans are more than just numbers. Um, they represent real people, and they're real people within our community that really are in a lot of need. Um, I want to touch on a couple of things today that the SBA is doing to incentivize banks to get funding as quickly as possible into the hands of small businesses. Um, the approval decisions come from lenders themselves, um, but while the SBA can't require that a lender give a loan, there are incentives within the program that, thanks to the CARES Act, um, lenders now receive a fee for each of the loans made. The loans are generally low because of the, of the SBA guarantee and the forgiveness portion. Uh, lenders must take a one-time full disbursement of the PPP loan within 10 calendar days of the loan approval, and a loan is considered approved when the loan is assigned a loan number by the SBA. Uh, right now, there's over 5,300 lenders participating in this program, uh, which is important because it means that funding is going to get into small businesses that need it um, quickly, and thankfully across the country, these numbers keep growing hourly um, in the lenders. And those lenders are actually listed online, which I'll provide a full kind of um, overview to the AWB team afterwards with some great links and um, PowerPoints <clears throat> that have some of these numbers that would, I think will be really helpful for everybody on the call. Um, I want to touch on the current rate of approvals uh, for the eligible PPP loans um, and applicants. For context, um, to help kind of eliminate any confusion, the approval decisions occur purely on the lender's side, um, but it's based on the eligibility requirements within the statute. 
and detailed guidance put out by Treasury and SBA. And again, those are listed on our websites. Uh, what I want to highlight here is the sheer volume of loans that are going out. During round one of PPP, 1.6 million loans were approved, which means it's helped over 30 million employees providing for their families. During round two, which is the round that we're in currently, there is over 1 million loans currently made, with an average loan size being much smaller than in the first round of PPP-1, at about $79,000, which is really helping a lot more of the smaller businesses um, with a much smaller kind of level of of loan needed. Um, The SBA continues working to ensure that the COVID-19 PPP loans are being distributed to local small businesses equitably national or nationwide, or ensuring the underserved communities as well as minority-owned women-owned businesses are not left out of the Paytech Protection Program. Um, and in order to sh- ensure that the PPPs are available to small businesses, regardless of geographic or demographics, the PPP program was open to a broad range of institutions of all sizes and business models. We have more than doubled the amount of lending institutions since the first round of PPP began April 3rd, and starting with about 1,800 active SBA-approved lenders to more than 5,300 lenders today. That number is growing hourly. Um, SBA has approved over 3.8 million loans for more than half a trillion dollars of economic support in less than one month. This number includes a large regional and commercial banks of over 1,000 credit unions, non-depository financial institutions, and in fact, more than 130 of these lenders are CDFIs, Community Development Financial Institutions, which are mission-driven lenders um, that are certified by the CDF Fund and the Treasury Department. Um, On Wednesday, April 29th, we did something kind of unique. Um, We opened up a a window of time for financial institutions with asset sizes less than $1 billion. Um, This helped the really small lenders and their small business customers access the system faster and get more loans processed quicker. Um, The SBA is working to ensure that all small businesses have access to these funds to help sustain their businesses and keep employees on the payroll. Now, the CDFIs are 100% dedicated to providing financial services to underserved communities. and most of these loans are about $250,000 or less. CDFIs can serve as an alternative for small banks and businesses looking for PPP loans who don't have an existing banking relationship or located in underserved areas. Uh, I just kind of want to say that, you know, the SBA is committed to ensuring funds are dispersed to all these communities. And I want to leave you kind of with one takeaway number um, before the end of my presentation, which is in Washington State, um, in the current PPP2 t- uh, round, um, as of, I believe this was yesterday's numbers, about 50,288 loans were made worth more than $5 billion. So, and I'll send you a slide deck that actually has some great numbers that break these out by state um, and, and by industries as well. Uh, but I just want to encourage everybody to take a look at our website and follow us on social media, which we can help provide a lot of details and, and up-to-date information that's coming out. Um, and also, as I said, I'll share a bunch of information with, with the team here that can distribute out to everybody on the call today. But I um, just want to say thank you and look forward to taking a few questions. Thank you, Christopher. That, that was a great update. We have a number of questions coming in. Could you just share that the data points that you were, were wrapping up with about the amount of activity in Washington State specifically? Yeah, sure. Let me pull up here on my uh, spreadsheet, and I'll share this with you as well um, to share with your folks. But in Washington State, as of... Let me just pull up the date on this one. It was as of um, 5-1, there was 50,288 loans made worth over $5 billion. And that number continues to grow daily. Great. Thank you. Uh, uh, Those are big numbers. Uh, Let's go to a couple questions that have come in. The first one says, are there any plans to extend the eight-week time frame on the PPP loan 
or change the payroll business expense ratios? Um, not that I'm aware of right now. Um, there's additional there are FAQs that are coming out um, pretty frequently from Treasury, the Department of Treasury, with any of these additional changes. I know there's a few folks who have asked, uh, which probably will come up in the questions as well, from different industries asking if they can extend the period of time in which they can um, they, they need to use the the, the loan dollars. Um, and at this point, that the answer is no. Um, that the money was originally intended, obviously, the, the plan itself and its name, the Paycheck Paycheck Protection Plan. Um, is to keep folks on the payroll. So the money needs to be used to keep keep employees on the payroll, even if um, I know some states obviously have some stay-at-home orders still that are preventing some folks from coming into their businesses, but um, to keep them on the payroll and off of the unemployment lines. Uh, thank you. Next question comes in regarding the EIDL program. Uh, the employer asking the question said uh, he did not receive a confirmation number. The window's now closed. Uh, how can that person find out about if their EIDL piece was successfully accepted and then approved, and what's the best way to uh, go about checking in on that? Sure. Um, there's a call online that we have that's been set up to help try to have folks reach out to, to get um, updates on their loan applications, um, which I can provide to you with the 1-800 number and some additional information as well that you can share with the folks um, so I don't give the wrong, uh, wrong number on the call. but. There's also going to be some announcements um, later today. I don't want to get ahead of the administrator and the folks that I think will be um, of interest, especially on uh, the, that particular loan program. Uh, Christopher, if we could ask you to look into maybe the crystal ball a little bit. Uh, there's a number of questions coming in about will there be a third round to the CARES Act? Uh, there will, will there be an additional PPP program in, in its entirety? Can you kind of give us a framework of the conversations that you are having with both the administration and Congress relative to other financial support and tools for small businesses? Well, we're focused right now on um, in getting out the, the funds here for the PPP2. Obviously, we, we did in the first PPP1, uh, we did more, more loans in 14 days um, than we did in 14 years of the SBA's history. Um, so in PPP2, we've really been focused on getting these dollars out to communities in need and, and the folks who really need those, really need these resources to keep their employees um, on payroll and sustain, you know, job sustaining, uh, family sustaining jobs. Um, I know that we're, we're, we're continuing to look at these different ways of getting these dollars out faster, um, and I kind of, you know, I don't want to guess as what, what the next level of this program will be, but I know that we're working hard every day just to continue to get these, these dollars out the door. Um, but their SBA does have additional um, resources available and part of our traditional loan portfolio. We have the 7A loan, um, and there's a, a, and plenty of other information that's great on the website, and you can work with, your, with these SBA delegated uh, lenders. SBA has just played a really important role in this process for small businesses as they look for accessing the funds that, that Congress has appropriated to give small businesses the relief and the ability just to make it through this period of time. You know, and some, wrap, some wrapping up comments on this segment, what is the one piece of advice or the one resource that you would point small businesses to to ensure that they're taking full advantage of and have the support from the SBA administration? I really want to encourage everybody to come visit our website. I know that's uh, it seems like a simple thing, but the reality is we have a lot of great resources on SBA.gov um, that has tons of links to our folks, our colleagues at Treasury, um, FAQs that are coming out in our final rules. It's really giving all the up-to-date information um, that's coming out in real time. Uh, also, it has a lot of great links to um, some of the different slides and the things I'm talking about today that's showing out some of the loan portfolios and um, how much how many dollars are going out in the different communities. I really just encourage everybody to go to sba.gov um, and take advantage of the resources that are there. 
Great. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, I really appreciate that. A reminder that the links and information that Christopher just shared with us will be available at the awb.org uh, COVID resource page uh, when we have that. So thank you for joining us. Christopher, appreciate the role that the SBA administration is playing during this very critical and important period of time. Uh, Segwaying yeah. to another uh, DC leader here is Neil Bradley. Neil's the executive vice president and the chief policy officer for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. We really are fortunate to have Neil with us and to have the U.S. Chamber. Neil, we had Harold this morning uh, on the prior hour talking about ILR and some of the issues regarding reliability or uh, regarding legal uh, issues coming before us here next. Let me tee it up to you to ask you to share a little bit about what the U.S. Chamber is working on, talk about the role that SBA has played as well. So, Neil, let me turn it over to you. Well, thanks for having me and a really impressive lineup today. And we're just pleased to be a part to, to help support you and our friends in Washington State. Um, you know, since this crisis began, we've been pretty focused at the U.S. Chamber on making sure that businesses of all sizes have access to resources uh, to help them weather uh, this temporary shutdown in commerce, now to manage the reopening, and then ultimately return to the growth that we were experiencing before any of us had ever heard of the coronavirus. As part of that effort, we've been pleased to spot, uh, cooperate with our friends and partner with our friends at Facebook to launch a number of guides, particularly targeted to small businesses. All of these guides are available at the U.S. Chamber's website, and they're really designed to help small businesses in particular navigate the new resources that are available to them. You just heard about the PPP program. That's uh, by far the most dominant uh, new program that was created, uh, received the most attention. But it's not the only program. And so in addition to PPP, which, by the way, if you haven't applied for, there is still time to do so. There are still some funds remaining, uh, but they will be diminished quickly to the point of your previous questioner asking about when they might be replenished. But there are also other resources available. For example, an employee retention tax credit was created as part of the CARES Act. This, in fact, may be the least well understood uh, provision in the CARES Act to help benefit businesses of all sizes. And it simply provides that if your business is fully or partially shut down as a result of a governmental order, such as the stay in place orders that we've had across most of the country, or if your business uh, experiences a more than 50% drop in gross receipts in a quarter in 2019, in 2020, compared to the same quarter in 2019, you're eligible for an up to $5,000 tax credit per employee if you keep paying those employees wages during that period of time where your business is shut down or during that quarter in which uh, your gross receipts have dropped. Now, if you're more than 100 employees, uh, then the special rules apply, and it only applies to wages paid with respect to employees who at that time aren't providing services for the business. So an employee who maybe is now teleworking, but is really only teleworking, you know, say 50% of their normal schedule, but you as, a, as an employer continue to pay them for 100%, then you get to count 50% of their wages towards that employee tax credit. If you happen to be a smaller employer, 100 or fewer employees, it doesn't matter if the employee is teleworking, is coming into work, if you're paying them during that period, there's a $5,000 tax credit available to you. Um, another pro program that uh, we'll be publishing a guide on in the next two days is actually the Main Street Lending Program. This was something that was authorized in the CARES Act but wasn't stood up by the Federal Reserve until last Friday. 
This is a lending program through normal financial institutions, the banks in your community and credit unions, and they have the ability to offer loans, minimum loans of $500,000 to businesses up to 15,000 employees who've been negatively impacted by uh, the COVID-19 outbreak. And so if you're one of the, the larger small businesses or a mid-sized employer, this is a great opportunity uh, to, to get a low interest loan uh, payable over four years to help weather this, this storm and this transition. And so uh, these are uh, more of the resources that are coming out and that are available to, to businesses uh, of all shapes and all sizes. As we think now about where we are in this kind of process, you know, phase one was kind of the, the shutdown and the immediate efforts necessary to confront the crisis. We're now entering the reopening phase, and the reopening phase is going to require different support for businesses, particularly small employers. I know in the last segment, you talked about some of the liability issues that employers face. They're also going to face issues about making sure they're complying with public health guidelines. We normally don't ask employers to do uh, health care questionnaires or health check questionnaires when employees come into work. Uh, we're not normally concerned about the, the, the distance between employees and customers or employees and employees in the workplace. But today we're going to be and we're not really concerned about anything other than fire marshal occupancy limits when we think about businesses that reopen. Now in states across the country that are already beginning the reopening, occupancy is limited. In some cases, as low as 25% of the normal occupancy of a business. We know that that's gonna put additional pressures on businesses. They may be reopened, but they're not gonna be profitable if they can only uh, provide 25% occupancy or 50% occupancy. So we're looking at additional measures that Congress can take up this month to help those businesses with that transition and a return to full and normal operations. In addition, we know that uh, because of the unprecedented nature of this, employers and particularly small businesses are simply looking for guidance. Tell us the best practices, things that we need to do to make sure that we're operating safely, protecting our employees and protecting our customers. And uh, with our, our partnerships uh, throughout the business community, we're assembling those best practices and those will soon be available on our website as well to help businesses think through the checklist of things that they need to be doing as they work to reopen safely. Ultimately, once we get through that, we're gonna evaluate where we are uh, as an economy, how quickly we're moving those 30 million unemployed Americans back into the workplace. And based off that, we'll make some judgments about what we recommend at the U.S. Chamber to help support greater economic growth and get us back to the, the, the point of prosperity and rising wages and low unemployment that we know we all want to get back to. So let me stop there. And I'd love to, to take any questions you might have about any of these particular programs, how you might be able to access them or other resources that are available. Thank you, Neil. You know, a couple of words that really strike me that are important that we're hearing from employers and you spoke about, and that is regarding certainty and predictability. Uh, and trying to get certainty and predictability in a very uncertain time. Uh, to that, you know, one question that's come in so far is, uh, what are your thoughts about how long will Congress continue to fund the PPP program? Uh, and what does the next phase of financial assistance for small businesses look like? Yeah, I, I think it's more uncertain than it has been in the past, right? So, um, you know, 
it was an unprecedented sum to begin with, 349 billion that ran out within two weeks. There was no question that Congress had to replenish that. It took them two and a half weeks to do it, but they did manage to replenish it. I think that the longer the discussion of, a, of the next phase bill drags on, and I think at the earliest we're talking about a May enactment, the more um, policymakers in Congress, the more our legislators are going to be moving from PPP to some type of transitional new support program. So um, I think it's you know probably a 50-50 at best case that the current PPP program is simply refilled and replenished. I think the other 50% of the chance is that we have something new that's particularly targeted at, at uh, businesses that are reopening, but reopening under social distancing guidelines that may require that they have some form of assistance as a bridge back to profitability. I don't think that's going to be the forgivable loan that the PPP is. It may look more like a low interest traditional loan product. Neil, a number of questions coming in about uh, what might a recovery bill look like. Do we expect a recovery bill? Will include things like infrastructure in it? Certainly that's something important to us here in, in our state and at AWB. Can you speak a little bit to what might be next uh, from a recovery bill perspective? Yeah, I mean, we needed infrastructure before the coronavirus and we definitely need it now. We've learned that some of the things we need around broadband, for example, are critically important. Um, I, I, I do think that this first bill, this next bill, the phase four bill is going to be focused on kind of filling any gaps that we have and the return to work issues, some of the liability and regulatory issues you talked about in your, your last session. I think after that likely comes a phase five bill that could include infrastructure and more long-term investments. So as we're advising our members at the U.S. Chamber, we're saying you should think about things that fit into the bucket of targeted, temporary, and timely for this next bill, because that's what we're really focused on. We're not going to be able to litigate out in a timely manner, you know, a long-term infrastructure bill, but begin planning for this summer for those types of permanent kind of pro-growth, long-term investments like infrastructure that could be enacted that would support a broader economic recovery. Thank you, Neil. Uh, we are really fortunate to have you with us today, the chief lobby person uh, and the chief advocacy person for the U.S. Chamber. Uh, we need to segue to our next speaker. Neil, if you can stay with us till the end, great. We understand if you have to depart as well, but do want to thank you and your team for all you're doing on behalf of the employer community. Uh, up next, again, this is something new we started two weeks ago, is an opportunity for you to engage in a poll. So a uh, survey question is going to come up on the screen here in a second. It's simply asking you, what type of future content would you like to see in our webinar series? A reminder that we have these planned out through June. And so the question really for you this morning is, what other areas or what additional areas would you like to see us spend more time in in the coming weeks? Please take a second to fill this out, and we will share the results with you later in our program today. Great. Thank you uh, for doing that with us this morning. Certainly, social media is an important tool for us to engage with our customers, our employees, our friends and colleagues. And we're, we're fortunate to have Diana Dukas today, who is the manager for economic impact for Facebook. And so if you can hear me, I'm going to turn the program over to you. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much. Um, thank you, everyone, for having me um, and for taking the time to talk about the resources 
um, that everyone that you're listening to today can provide the small business economy. Um, thank you to AWB for your partnership and also the U.S. Chamber, of course. Neil, it was great to hear your perspective on so much, and thank you again for having us um, as a strong partner as you are uh, with ours. Um, so wanted to share with you all a little bit about what Facebook is doing to help support the small business community during this challenging time. As we all know, the small business uh, community is the backbone of our economy, and we are doing uh, whatever we can to help support you all during this time. So about a month and a half ago, you may have heard um, from Cheryl Sandberg, our COO, that we were announcing and committing $100 million globally in a grants program to support the small business community. That means that about $40 million in the US was allocated um, and split up between 20, our 27 locations based on where we have um, our data centers and our offices and really where our employees um, live and uh, spend their day, their day to day. Um, that means in the Seattle region, we've committed 8.5 million to the small business community during this grant this grants program. I will say that you should please go on to uh, facebook.com backslash grants for business if you hadn't already and the application does uh, close tomorrow. Um, but we are very excited to consider ourselves part of the Washington community. Thank you for having us. Um, and I want to tell you a little bit more about the grants program. One, it is for for-profit entities um, that employ between two and 50 people. And if you are the um, founder or the owner, um, if you are the founder or the owner of the grants um, of the business, please do count yourself in that tally. Um, you must prove that you've been in business for at least a year. You must be able to tell us a little bit about how you've experienced challenges from COVID-19. You must be located in or near a Facebook location. As I mentioned, um, uh, there are 27 locations across the country where we have data centers and offices. And a little bit more about the application process. One, as I mentioned with the Seattle area closing tomorrow, I should say that this is not on a first come first serve basis. So please do not worry that if you have not gotten the opportunity to submit your application yet, that you would be penalized. You have until uh, midnight on Eastern time um, this uh, tomorrow to submit your application. We should also say that we are placing a special emphasis on minority and women owned businesses. Um, so knowing that it is generally difficult to receive access to capital, but never more so than during this challenging time. And of course, we also want to make sure that we're, the grants program is, is as accessible for everybody. And so the application is fully available in English, fully available in Spanish, and also there are guides in other languages as well. I'd be happy to take more questions or questions generally about the grants program, but also would like to talk to you a little bit more about um, uh, uh, the business resources that we have for the community writ large. So we have developed a business resource hub, and we can say that um, if you go to facebook.com backslash business, you'll find a variety of tips and tools and resources that will help you during this time. There is a resiliency toolkit, there are sector by sector guides, and so if there are, if you're a restaurant or you're in retail or you're in another sector, there are specific ta specifically tailored guides to you and that sector to help you 
you navigate during this time. There's also a digital learning and e-curriculum on digital marketing. And so we know that um, folks might be looking to online platforms now a little bit more during this time. And so we want you to be able to leverage our platforms as much as you can. And then of course we have um, lists and um, guides to other uh, resources like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and their incredibly helpful guides to help, you know, again, educate and provide resources to you during this time. I do also want to mention that we have developed a couple of additional tools to help the small business community kind of sustain uh, themselves. So we, had, uh, we created something called a gift card product where you can sign on to our, um, onto the, our website. You can sign up with one of our program platform partners, sign up to become part of the gift cards uh, network, and then you can advocate um, for yourself and share this gift card tool with your network, your communities, your patrons, to let them know that they can support you and purchase a gift card for your business to help you sustain during this time and anything that you, any revenue that you may have lost. We've also adapted our fundraising tool. So traditionally on Facebook, um, nonprofits were the only entities that have been able to use the fundraising tool. But knowing that small businesses, especially now, might need to diversify any of their revenue and income, we've adapted this to allow for, uh, for the small businesses to set up personal fundraisers for their business themselves now. And we've also adapted some of our communication tools, such as temporary service changes. So we all know that it's always of the utmost importance for you to communicate with your uh, customers on a regular basis, but never more so than now. So using our temporary service change tool, you can help communicate with your, uh, with your customers to let them know your changes of hours or if you're temporarily closed or if you've changed from pickup to delivery um, or other. And so please um, sign on to our sites. You can find all of these resources on our business hub. Um, and again, we will continue to um, iterate and create and listen to you all to figure out how we can best support you during this time. So with that, I'll, I'll stop there and I'm very happy to answer questions. Thank you, Diana. A couple of questions that have come in this morning. One is, could you talk about from a Washington State perspective, if you have data on it, uh, about how successful the gift card program has been so far? So far, I can't speak on a state by state basis, but what I can say is that people, uh, small businesses have started to utilize this product and we've, we've received positive feedback. We know that this is a, another helpful tool um, for small businesses to engage their, uh, their community and their customers. So we certainly encourage you to, uh, to try it out and to, to see um, how your community will respond. But so far we've seen positive results. Question. The next question, Diana, comes for what, what advice would you give to a small business company who's a novice with social media and a novice with Facebook? So just some, some key advice, if you would, for small business. Absolutely. So um, I would point you back to our resource hub, which again is, um, is fully accessible to anyone. You do not have to be a, a Facebook member um, or use our platforms to use 
uh, to access this site. But there is some, uh, there's a curriculum and tips and tools on how to best leverage our, our, our platforms. And so if you spend time on that site, and then it'll point you also in uh, a couple of other directions on how to really gain the knowledge and support um, to help better use our platforms. And that is something that we are consistently working on. We have something called the Boost with Facebook program, which traditionally has gone around the country hosting um, mini summits and conferences for the small business community to really help bring the latest um, uh, adaptations to our platforms to the small business community so you can leverage our platforms, knowing that obviously we cannot do that physically now. We are working to bring these trainings online. So I do um, recommend you continue to check back with us so that we can help provide you even the most basic of information to help start um, really using our platforms to your benefit. Thank you, Diana, for joining us. I, I would close this segment by reminding our audience that they have till tomorrow to register for the Seattle Grant Program. And as Diana indicated, about $8.5 million allocated to this effort. So thank you for your leadership, Facebook. Thank you, Diana, for joining us. Uh, we'll move on to our next speaker, Nicholas Matthews, the CEO of the Main Street Initiative by, Mana, by Mainvest. Nicholas, there you are. Take it away, my friend. Hey, well, firstly, uh, thank you to the Association of Washington Business for putting this together um, and really kind of being on the forefront of the shifting conversation as we move towards kind of rebuilding, reopening, and how we can bolster our small business community. Um, definitely uh, here to talk about some uh, different alternative forms of capital formation and financing for small businesses at this crucial time when people are really looking towards the future. And I think it starts with, you know, I, we're definitely not as uh, familiar to everyone, I'm sure, as uh, Facebook, but uh, just a high level of kind of what Mainvest is and um, what our mission is and what we're really facilitating here. And what Mainvest is, is it's an investment platform that allows small businesses to run actual investment campaigns and do capital raises where they're able to do it fully regulatory compliant with uh, FINRA and the SEC very easily. and secure and raise capital from their community so akin to a lot of the initiatives that have been going around around like gift cards and like pre-orders and pre-sales uh, what what we're really looking to do is utilize the platform to take the you know 92 percent of like previously inaccessible um investment into private businesses pre these regulations and find a way to directly funnel them into small businesses in these local communities so that you have investors in Seattle, investing in Seattle businesses, directly driving economic growth and development during this crucial time for um, reopening and really just rebuilding. Uh, next slide, please. And so really the core crux of the regulations is to enable businesses to, to raise capital from individuals um, in a much more public way than, you know, I guess before the, the specific regulation, which is Jobs Act, Title III, it's around uh, May of 2016, so a very, very new regulation, not designed for a crisis, but definitely something that can be utilized and uh, used as an advantage for businesses and figuring out uh, how to bolster up and, and get out of it. And so the, the crux of the regulations allows for a non-accredited investor who previously would not be able to invest in a private company to have access to investing in your business. And that really widens the scope of investor from you know an angel investor investing in an early stage startup to say um, your customers, your consumers, friends and family, but even beyond that, um, people in the greater ecosystem of your community that are looking to put their dollars into the rebuilding of their community. 
Um, the way that these revenue um, sharing notes are structured, the way the investment basically is structured is by the business being able to repay investors as a percentage of their top line revenue, almost like a loyalty um, kind of program. Uh, and at once a certain amount of return has been hit, the, the businesses successfully repaid their investors. And where that becomes super crucial right now is when businesses are dealing with these acute cash flow issues with acute revenue challenges, their repayment uh, really ties to the growth of their business. And so on the investor side, that's compelling because as a business continues to grow, there's higher upside for that investor. And on a business side, it creates flexibility for resilience in times when revenue is acutely impacted, such as a global unprecedented crisis. Um, we've worked a lot with different uh, institutional partners, uh, community banks. The, the debt is structured to be very low on the cap table, play really well with other forms of institutional debt to make sure that businesses have every tool available to go out there and get themselves set up for success so that as we focus on reopening and rebuilding the economy, we have strong businesses that are able to have weathered the storm and come out the other end in a really strong position. You know, a big part of what makes this work is uh, the simplicity of it and kind of taking what seems like it could be a very complex regulatory structure and disseminating it down into something that kind of is akin to a Kickstarter level kind of crowdfunding campaign except with the ability to provide returns to investors, which widens the pool of people that will be willing to support, both out of the goodness in their heart and because they know that that capital is going to be reinvested into their local communities. And so in terms of logistics, everything is really run through the platform. Uh, you know, if it was a situation where a business had to be writing you know, 150 checks every three months to each individual person that contributed, say, 100 bucks to, to helping their business grow, that would probably be unmanageable. So. Ease of use, very simple way for businesses to have a clear framework to go out to their community and get capital in a way that was previously inaccessible. Last slide, please. I think what's been the most compelling aspect of these last few months and kind of where this is playing into it is what we're seeing from our existing portfolio of businesses that have raised is a much higher level of like solvency and success in this environment due to having uh, a large group of supporters that really are backing them and are local in their communities and a way to reach them. And so we've seen you know, very different data than I think what we see in the headlines in terms of businesses that have been incredibly resilient through this, that are really looking towards guidance around when to open up and very excited to, to be around and be able to have that community coming back when they do so. Uh, even in the last few weeks, just there's been an acute increase in investment on the platform, which I think is coming from people realizing that like as you enter the new normal, uh, there's a level of importance in our small business ecosystem for what you guys are doing on the ground uh, that perhaps you know, wasn't as internalized before this, but this has really kind of shed a light on you know, the importance of our local economies. And it's important to be able to find different ways to capture uh, that support and utilize it to have us be able to put our best foot forward coming out of this. And the other thing we've seen is in these really unique times, you know, if we think about the type of business that is going on the platform, Mavis is really built for, you know, brick and mortar, uh, restaurants, yoga studios, microbreweries, the types of business that don't have access to venture capital, angel investing, um, and private equity. And those businesses being able to raise capital to expand and really grow their business while having on the other end of it a group of evangelists in their community that are going to be supporting them through and through. 
Um, with these times, we've seen a lot of existing businesses be able to utilize the platform almost in a similar way to gift cards, going out and giving people a tangible way to support them uh, that is not a handout in a sense. And what we've done in terms of different initiatives, we talk about the Main Street Initiative, which is really just our overarching effort to be driving private capital into the small business ecosystem to help us accelerate economic development coming out of this. One of the first initiatives there was called uh, the Main Street Initiative was the Main Street Initiative Loan, which is a zero interest, $2,000 um, short-term loan that it was designed to allow businesses that are going onto the platform to you know, raise the amount of money that they need to have some breathing room. You know, we know that you know, we started around a month ago, um, but as the PPP was kind of announced and there was a lot of questions around how that was going to be facilitated, you know, your average restaurant has around 16 days of cash flow. And so being able to have some acute capital up front to really address immediate concerns and be able to take a breath and plan for the future is important. And we're gonna to continue to be rolling out initiatives like this and working with different local and regional and governmental stakeholders over the next few months. Thank you, Nick. A couple questions coming in. We certainly know how important, how critical Main Street is to our everyday economy, let alone how important it's gonna to be to help get pulled through this really difficult period of time we're in. The question that comes in, it's coming in a number of times, is what is the best practice for Main Street companies who haven't thought about this before, about raising capital and going in this regard? What, what are some of the best practices or pieces of advice you would give to those for saying, yeah, this is something I want to look at doing? Really, it's, it's about having a plan. And you know, as you set up your kind of campaign and thinking about like, all right, how am I going to be telling um, you know, friends and family and the community and business owners about this? How am I going to kind of get that out there? I think it, what's unique about the investment structure compared to the Kickstarter structure is for one, it um, you know, widens the opportunity of and kind of pool of people that would be willing to consider putting in a $100,000, $5,000 investment because they know that that's going directly into their main street and beyond the goodwill of their heart, there is the potential and opportunity for a return. Um, but really, you know, just making sure that you have um, the same kind of level of like financial planning as you would when you apply for the PP, uh, PPP or something like that. You have a clean story of why your business is going to, you know, be able to, you know, kind of succeed out of this, and you have a strong plan for how to reach those different people, as well as engaging with us so that Mainbest can offer our continued support and investor base um, as these businesses continue to go on the platform. All right, thank you, Nick, very much. Uh, heads up, we're going to segue to our lightning round. So if, you, if you've got a question you want to make sure that gets asked, please go right now to that right-hand corner of your screen and ask that question. We're going to share with you the results of the survey. We had 60% of you participate in that survey, uh, and the results are coming on the screen in front of you. Most of you want to hear more about economic recovery. What does that look like? When will it happen? How do you participate, et cetera? Followed by, uh, in second place, was 46% uh, wanting to know more about upcoming federal assistance programs, and third place being differentiating between the different types of benefit programs that are out there. So again, 60 plus percent of you participated in that poll and survey today. Uh, thank you for doing so with us. So it's a lightning round questions, and I'll let all of our uh, speakers know that we'll be jumping around here. The first question that comes up is, please clarify where small business employers can go to apply for the loans and grants that have been mentioned, whether they be through the SBA, through folks like 
Facebook or others. So, Neil, let's maybe go for, for you. Where would you point uh, the small businesses that are calling the U.S. Chamber, the small businesses that are calling us? Where would you suggest they best go to to find the different types of programs that they might qualify for and how to apply for those? So with respect to the government programs, those that I mentioned, PPP, IDLE, the Employee Retention Tax Credit, now the Main Street Lending Facility, uh, we have guides for all of those on the U.S. Chamber's website. In short, here are the things to think about. Um, with the exception of traditional SBA programs and the IDLE program, most of these loan programs work through your private lenders. So just like you go to uh, your, your regular lender to discuss a PPP program, you're gonna go to a lender to discuss the new Main Street Lending Authority. The tax provisions, you're gonna wanna talk to your, your CPA, your tax accountant, who can help you navigate for your particular business how you take advantage of those tax programs. And then of course, you know our friends at Facebook and others are supporting these wonderful programs to help with private dollars to assist businesses. And you know you should reach out to, to, to those folks and I would start with uh, the, the Facebook program that Diana talked about. Thank you, Neil. Uh, speaking of Facebook, let's go to Diana for a minute. Diana, could you remind our audience where they should go and what that cutoff time is for the Seattle grant program that closes tomorrow? Absolutely. So the cutoff is tomorrow, Eastern um, Eastern time, midnight. Um, so please do make sure to note that um, uh, that time difference. But please go to facebook.com backslash grants for business. And that's all spelled out. But it will walk you through um, the guides, um, anything, el any eligibility questions. It will point you to our third-party vendor and partner, who is um, Eureka, who is helping us manage that process and the application process for us. Um, and it will be able to allow you to tell your story as well. So not only is the application relatively straightforward, but it also gives you the chance to talk about one, obviously how you've been negatively impacted by COVID, but then also gives you the chance to tell your story about how you plan to use the money and what kind of impact it may have on your community. So it really allows you to provide some color and context of um, how you and your story of how you'll be using the funds. And I should also say um, to the breakdown so people are aware that the um, that the funds available are the same for every business. Um, and so it's a total value of $4,000, $2,500 being cash, and then $1,500 being optional ad credits. And I say optional because we wanted to make sure that this grant program was um, open to everyone, not just small businesses who utilize Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp on our platform. So um, again, it, the total value would be $4,000, $2,500 in cash, and $1,500 in optional ad credits. Uh, thank you, Diana. I think this is a great reminder, uh, both Neil and, and, and you sharing different avenues to access funding and support. Certainly federal, much happening that Congress has approved, whether it be IEDL or PPP as part of the CARES Act, state efforts through our State Department of Commerce that had regional grants, or to see great corporations like Facebook and so many others leading by example, opening up grant programs throughout the state of Washington, and then realizing at the end of the day, there are both regional and local activities that are happening. And so I would encourage 
those that are listening in to take advantage of every single opportunity along the way. This is an unprecedented time requiring unprecedented response. And there's really unprecedented collaboration and partnerships that are happening. And so I want to thank our speakers for being with us today. We've had eight speakers from coast to coast. Uh, we've even had some great in-depth uh, information, whether it be on insurance, financial products, accessing federal funding, or, or great examples of, of companies stepping up, whether it be Mainvest or, or Facebook. So again, I want to thank you all for being with us. A couple things going forward. Next week's webinar is going to be focused on e-commerce solutions and how to take your brick and mortar business online. And we have a number of Washington-based companies that will be with us uh, for that conversation next week. I'd also be remiss if you're like our family, you're teaching from home this week. Uh, but let's not forget about the teachers who've been in our classroom. It is Teacher Appreciation Week this week. Uh, and so don't forget to take care of those who've been taking care of our young people that are in our daily lives as well. So uh, with that, a reminder that this will be online tomorrow, starting at 10 a.m. on our Facebook page. So don't forget to grab this, share it with your friends and family and colleagues. And again, thank you for being with us today. Hats off to our team. We have a lot of speakers, a lot of ebb and flow today. Great job, team. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Have a safe and happy week. Thanks for listening. Our next Employer Resources webinar is a week from today on May 11th. To register for this or any of our upcoming webinars, go to awb.org and click on events.